If I could make a bold prediction, it would be that in 30, 40 years from now, Charles Philibert Thibodeau will be one of those runners that people look back on when they talk glowingly about the true characters of the sport. From being a top collegian to stories of persuading reluctant Diamond League meet directors as a relative unknown, to some memorable national cross-country championship races with sometimes training partner Luc Boucher, to the run-up to making the Olympics in 2016, honestly, there's at least a dozen other CPT stories that really come to mind without even thinking about it. The metric miler stud who trains with his collegiate coach, Felix Lapointe, recently branched out into some bigger distances this year. First, with a 2845 10,000 meter at the BCEP Saturday Night Live series, good enough for third fastest all time run by a Quebecois, and following that up with a mind blowing 1322 5000 at the Sound Running Meet in California, second fastest all time by a Quebecois. Honestly, it really sets him up nicely for 2021, and I was very excited to have him on this week. My name is Michael Rokas, and Charles Philly Baratibado is on this week's episode of the Terminal Mile. A 13.22, man, that is huge. Good enough for uh, 10th all-time Canadian. Uh, second, uh, as far as a Quebec resident goes, man, there's there's got to be a lot of stories behind uh, behind that run right there. But uh, let's just start with with how did how did the race go? I mean, like how did how did you feel it went? And uh, it was it was an interesting race to to watch. But how was it to run? Oh man, uh, you know what? I think uh, I'm finally starting to feel comfortable over the five thousand meter distance. Uh, I feel like it's been a, a long learning curve for me to get accustomed to uh, going around the track, around and around and around the track and not lose focus. And uh, actually having run a 10K two weeks before that 5K, I was just really looking forward to racing a 5,000 meters. And I knew it was going to feel short. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it went really well. And uh, I was in the zone for 4 and uh, 4.6K and with a lot to go, uh, um, didn't have quite the wheels to with the guys at the front but uh i mean we're we're still in december and uh i don't think uh in my yearly plan i was ready to really go hard like go out with a very hard last lap so i'm just uh, overall pretty happy with the performance Oh man, I think all plans have have kind of gone out the window uh, this year, anyways. But you know, I I, would, I did want to ask you about that because you know you're a guy who's who's been on the show before, and, and we've talked about this sort of thing. Uh, you know, you you talked about being able to to turn out a 38 second uh, last uh, 300 meters in a race. How that was super integral to the 1500. As far as 1500 tactics go, you were someone who is so and someone who is so so knowledgeable about what it what it takes and uh you know really tuning into your training and that sort of stuff so how does that really apply to the 5000 were you able to find like a lot of similarities between uh turning out a good 1500 meter race and applying that to a good 5000 meter race i actually think both races are incredibly different um and uh, it's funny because in retrospect, after the race, talking with my coach and my uh, and my strength uh, strength and conditioning guy, we kind of had to talk about how a 1500 and a 5K were different and how we had to approach things differently. And, you know, like what I felt over that 5K was just that, 
you know, like for four and a half K, you pretty you pretty much have to like zone out and like and be uh, in like the state of mindfulness where you're you you know trying to nail down that rhythm and stay as relaxed as possible, and then with like half a K to go, you really want to try to turn it on. Uh, whereas in a fifteen hundred, you kind of have to be on your toes at all times because, because a move can happen anytime during the race. It can happen within the first 100 meters or it can happen just at the last 100 meters. But in between that, you have to be on your toes and ready to go and ready to respond anytime in the 1500. So um, what I was telling my coach after the race was that I felt so in control and comfortable during the first four K four and a half K of the race that when it was really time to turn it on at the end, it, it's almost like my, my body couldn't really respond to like the surge in pace and how physically I should be able to handle that. So my last lap was actually just, I didn't, I didn't slow down. I actually just kept the pace going, but it felt like I was slowing down because my body physically couldn't respond to the surge in pace. But to me, like, that's where lies the big difference. You got to be able to really zone out and come back from that state of mindfulness and relaxation to really get going with like half a K to go. Whereas in the 1500, you really have to stay on your toes the whole race. And, uh, yeah, I think it, I think in, the, in terms of that, the two races are very different or they make up for a very different experience. So, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, within your training that, uh, that, you know, some, some of the things like, like a big last kick and stuff is, was kind of out the window this year. So where, where was the focus on with your training this year? Was it a lot more, you know, thresholds and that sort of stuff? Uh, well, when we, when we, uh, realized that there were going to be any race on the calendar in June, we just decided to really reset everything and do like a slow build up. And of course, with such a buildup comes, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the strength, uh, type of work. So we've been focusing on, uh, getting good volume in, not crazy volume, but just like being solid on a weekly basis volume and trying not to have peaks that are too high and lows that are too lows. Just like try to stay solid in that sense. And, uh, just a lot of, yeah, the threshold work, 10 K pace work, uh, five K pace work. And, um, we also like, and within all of that, we also don't get me wrong. We also did touch on a bit of speed, like doing strides and doing some 1500 meter pace work and all that kind of stuff. But I think like for five K where you, you're really running hard from the gun and you want to have the big kick at the end. Like, it, I think it really needs some specific work, um, some specific, like, um, tactical change of pace work that, you know, at this time of the year is not really necessary, uh, in a sense. Uh, we think that if you can just run hard from the gun and do a good time, um, we, it's pretty solid in December. Uh, but it, you know, it's going to be on the schedule eventually this year to incorporate the, the specific type of work that is needed to go from running 62s to running 56 or 55, you know, like it's, it's not really something that you have just by working on the base. 
and just working on, the, you know, like getting the bases covered, like working on basic speed and basic endurance. You really need specific work for that. So we're not quite there yet. Uh, so I'm not too worried. Uh, I'm just knocking on wood. It's been six months of wind training well, and hopefully if I can stay healthy, that type of specific work will come in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I, in, in a lot of your posts, you, you talk about momentum and, and how this year you're really carrying a good momentum through. I think every athlete, every single distance runner I know has those workouts that, that really just makes them feel like like a million bucks, like they could uh, knock out some PBs. Is that kind of where you really draw your strength from? Or like, what what do you think your, your bread and butter workouts are where you finish them and you're like, nope, I'm fit right now? Yeah, it's funny because they've been, these type of workouts have been evolving in the last few years. Um, if you go back to 2016 where, you know, like, I, I don't have that, I, I, I obviously don't have that in my, in, in, in numbers, but uh, at the time of the Olympics, I think I would have been ready to run an 800 in like 145 or 146, but it's just that you don't get the chance to run so fast. So, that my type of bread and butter workout back then would have been, you know, like 400 off of a lot of rest, but like really fast 400, like 52, 51 or 53, uh, or even like K repeats under 230. But then like the rest is cranked up. The rest is five minutes or over. Whereas right now in the fall, after having a good base in, most of September and October in November, knowing that I was going to race a 10 K and the five K we started doing harder workouts, but like really cranking down the, the, the rest. So I've been doing like 15 times a 400 off of 45 seconds, um, five by a mile at 10 K pace, just off of 90 seconds. And then on top of that, you add on some 400s at the end, you know, like, um, 61, working it down to 59 or 58 just off a minute. So uh, the focus has really been um, trying to get a lot of volume in the workouts and really shorten the, uh, the rest so we, you don't feel like you're, uh, you're cheating so much, you know, because if, if you're fit uh, and you put like three, four or five minutes between your, your, your reps, you can really cheat. The, the, the speed you're going, uh, you know, but like if you're going to do mile repeats with only a minute or 90 seconds, you can't really go all that much above your, uh, your capacities. So that's really what we've been working on in the fall. So I feel like I got really much more solid at working with short, short rest. You know, you, you mentioned about, you know, just doing the, this whole rebuild after you knew that all these races would be canceled. Uh, I have to think that this sound running meet where you where you ran that 5,000 so well and, and the, the 10,000, they were kind of almost, uh, you know, surprises and stuff uh, with, with a year like this. Uh, what, what was... How, how did you get into that LA meet? Because, like, that was super competitive to get into and, you know, like... How did you decide that? Yeah, okay, so they have a five thousand here. I want to run this five thousand. Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, uh, my coach Felix Antoine is uh, he really thrives off having his athletes race, and it's funny because we really had the chill for a while 
Uh, and like, you know, for me, not like if, if, if we think back that I started training back in, in late in June, not having any races for four months and like nothing actually on the calendar for four months. Like we, we never dealt with anything like that. Like we out, we always had like tight schedules and stuff like that. So we really had to pinch ourselves and be accountable to one another to say, let's just chill for a couple months and then we're going to race. But when we're going to race, we're going to go pretty hard. And, uh, so knowing that we really wanted to keep the calendar empty for most of the summer and the fall, um, and which aligned with the opening of the Olympic qualification. So it was just kind of like, Hey, you know what? December, I think you're going to be ready and we still have a lot of time and uh let's let's uh put that on the schedule and uh, see see how it goes and uh the media director was a good friend of my agent chris and it wasn't really a problem you know as a, as a 1500 guy it really takes a couple of races to to really get worked into you know like a, a really good 1500 meter rhythm uh how, how are you feeling with the with the 5000 do you think with you know maybe a couple more shots uh over the next month two months you could uh, you could really hit that standard absolutely i do think so i'm getting a lot more comfortable with running hard or sustained for a long time and it's interesting because um we worked on a lot of things in the fall but one thing that i really want to work on knowing that we might give it a shot to qualify for the olympics in the 5k was that i needed to like have a great focus on the task, like beyond four laps. You know what I mean? Like I can't handle four laps mentally without any problem, but I really think that to be able to hang on to a pack and hang on to a rhythm for more than four minutes, really, you really need that kind of like mental, mental strength, but also mental work to be able to handle that. And during the fall, all like, most of the days I would double and the, the second run of the day, I would usually just go on a grass field and run in loops and run around and around and around. And I really, and, and you know, like strength workout stuff like 10 by a K that you, you'd usually go in the trails to do. I would do those on the track and I would just get accustomed to uh, boring training and doing boring stuff. And I really think that I upped my game mentally in that sense. And that's what really helped me tackle the 10K and the 5K in the fall. And uh, I think I think like that's really something that as a 1500 guy, I needed to step up in terms of capacities in order to be comfortable over the 5K. And now that I kind of feel like I have this, I have this focus um, nailed down. I don't think the training for 5k is going to be ever a problem anymore. And I really do think going, um, running that standard of 1313 is, is in the, is in the cards for the next few months if I stay healthy. Okay. So I mean, like from that last answer, you, you still called yourself a, a 1500 meter guy, but I mean, like you ran a 10,000, you ran a 5,000. Is this part of some sort of transition or are you, are you still definitely like a 1500 meter guy? Like that is Tokyo 2021. Like you want to be a 1500 meter guy. 
I think there is some sort of transition happening in the sense that I'll be more of a 1500 meter and 5k guy rather than just a 1500 meter guy. And I don't think by any means I will go just 5,000 meters. I think I will always be 15 and 5k. And, you know, we've seen in the last few years guys that have been thriving on both like the Inge Brixton's and Stuart McSwain and all these guys that really are solid from 1500 to 5k and even to 10k. And that's kind of what we're trying to reciprocate here. And uh, I really think that I can run really well at both. And, um, unfortunately you cannot double at the, uh, Olympics at both events. And honestly, right now I do not have, I cannot say that I've qualified for both. And like, uh, it, I still have a lot to do and a lot of work ahead to be able to qualify for both. But the plan is to aim for that and, you know, come June, see how all those 1500 meter races have been and all those 5k races have been in the last year and, you know, make a game time decision. What, what are my best chances of a final and a good result at the Olympics? And that's, that's kind of what we want to achieve. So I think a lot of people know you as the 1500 meter guy, but I think, uh, for, for some of the, for the, some of the super hardcore fans of, of running and of this show, they, they'll remember you running back, uh, with Laval in, uh, you know, with it, with, with cross country and university. And, you know, you've put in uh, a few really, really honorable um, results in, in the post-collegiate cross-country as well, too, at championships every year. So it wasn't that surprising to, to see such a strong result in the in the 10,000 when you ran the, the Saturday Night Live series uh, out in British Columbia. You weren't super happy with your 2845, though. Uh, what, what was that race like? And, and you know, why, why weren't you as thrilled with it as, you know, maybe some other people who would run, you know, that fast? Yeah, well, uh, to put, I mean, to put things into context, uh, the, the three other contestants, Luke Perche, Kieran Lumb, and John Gay, in that race all ran 28, between 28-16 and 28-18. And I've been training with these guys in the weeks leading up to the race, and there was absolutely no reason for me not to be there. And, you know, uh, what ended up hap- happening after uh, digging down it a bit as to what happened to me in the race and how I physically felt. I just, uh, I just did not fuel properly. And, you know, like by 8K, uh, I felt great. I was still in the pack with the guys. And within a lap, I went from feeling 100 to zero, and I could barely put a, a foot in front of the other. And basically what happened is, I, after the race, I gave a call to Trent Stellingworth from Athletics Canada. And I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I was fit. I was not supposed to run 28:45, but then, like, my legs fell down, like, kind of crumbled down under me, and I, it felt like a marathon wall, not like my aerobic capacity that was um, going full on. And you know, like, I wasn't way over my head in my aerobic capacity. It was just like my my legs kind of crumbled. And he was like, yeah, well, it seems like you underfueled. Like, what did you eat during the day? And Next thing you know, um, not racing for a year and tackling a completely new distance. I kind of had the, the rate, pre-race butterflies. I had good lunch five hours before, but I really wasn't hungry enough to eat any eat any uh, snacks before the race or anything at all. And 
you know, as stupid as it may seem, I could have run a 1500 meters off of that. But then at the end of the day for 10 K, I was probably 500 calories short and the intake I should have taken in a day and 500 calories is basically the last K of a 10 K. So Trent was like, there you go. You know, like, so make sure you don't make the, the, the same mistake for the 5k in two weeks. But, uh, um, so that's how I kind of feel about that race. I feel like I should have been with the guys up front, and it really was just a a rookie mistake on my part in terms of nutrition that kind of cost me that, you know, like a, a painful last K that I, ba- I barely made it through the line. Oh man! But I mean, like listening to that that answer, it sounds like you you took the steps and you you asked the the important questions and you had the resources you know at your fingertips where you could ask those people is that something that that comes with with uh you know maturation and and time in the sport like do you think that you always would have reached out to to trent after a race like that to to figure out what went wrong or is that that's something that that's come with time oh well i think in the in the in the current scenario where, you know, I, I haven't raced in a year, nobody's racing because of COVID. Uh, uh, and you know, like I'm two weeks away from a 5k. That's really the important event of my year. Um, and I don't have anything in between to really boost my, you know, my ego or my confidence. Like as, as silly as it may seem, like you really want to have a, a good confidence coming into towards an important race. Um, I I kind of thought the 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 workouts leading up to the 10k went so well like there was no way I was worth 20 45 and I need to dig and I need to dig and make sure <laughs> I can find what happened so I can tackle the 5k and and uh and feel good about it feel good coming in into the 5k rather than being so angry at that 10k and I'm not going to lie after that 10k I I did not sleep like I couldn't go to sleep because I was so angry at what happened. Like, mm. I, I, to me, it was impossible that it was run that slow. So, it, like, it goes to show, like, how, how, like, I was driven to try to find a, like, to try to find what happened. And you know, if you go back five or six or seven years, and you know, you're in college and you're racing every weekend, like what's a bad race really you just brush it off you're going to race the next weekend and it's not going to be a a big deal but now like it's my first race in a year and there's an even more important race coming up uh there's a lot at stake um i really needed to uh find what find out what happened and that's i i kind of guess that's what kind of fueled this this will of you know reaching out to professionals uh to really try to gather the information and um, reach, like come down to a conclusion as to what happened. You know, I, I, I won't lie to you. As soon as I heard that you were running that race, I got super, super excited. Uh, not only because, you know, there'd be a race that, that we could follow along with it and watch and stuff, but it seems like there is something that's that is very special that happens whenever you're, whenever you're training with those BC boys, whenever you end up at, out in BC, you mentioned that you did a couple of weeks out there. Uh, you know, what, what are the plans? Are, are you going to head back out there and, and train with, uh, with Luke and Justin and man, shout out to all those BC guys right now. They are doing fantastic. All right. Any plans to spend some time out there? Absolutely. I'm headed there on Monday. Uh, going to spend, uh, 
fortunately going to spend Christmas uh, far away from my family for the first time ever. Uh, this is kind of heartbreaking, but I know that uh, it's just not safe with COVID to go back to Quebec. And um, things are going so well right now with my running that, you know, I want to keep that streak going. And every year I go back to Quebec, I tend to run in the snow. Things get slippery. I get injured. I party a bit. You know what? I This is not happening this year. I'm just going to BC on Monday and spending Christmas there. And I'm going to get fit with the BC boys. That's what, that's what it is. And we actually planned on the, uh, linking up for a couple of sessions um, because we, we did that in the fall. Uh, I know that uh, uh, Luke and John and Kieran linked up a couple of times during the summer as well, and everybody's really benefited from that. Um, so it's really what, what we plan on doing. And you know what? I'm going to add up, add a little story here because I know your listeners are like good track fans. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw some, uh, some, uh, workout porn to you. Okay. Uh, tell you one of those workouts I did with, with, uh, Luke and John, uh, heading into the 10 K we did, we did five by a mile of 90 seconds and started up at 4.32 average, basically. So we started out at 4.34, 33, 32, uh, 30, and 28. That was off of 90 seconds, and we took three minutes, so a lap jog, and we did 4 by 4 61 down to 59. And what, what really struck me with that workout was out of 10, it probably felt like, you know, a six. It was really controlled. Everybody was like feeling really good, but also, you know, when you're doing five by a mile like that, and you only get to lead once every two reps, it helps so much. So that's really the kind of stuff we've been up to, and uh, we're really looking forward meeting up again um, in the next few weeks to get that kind of work going. Oh man, that sounds. Wow, that sounds uh, that, that that sounds really good, and like once once again, huge shout to the to the BC guys. Just just bring it in this year. It's it's been really cool to see, but also really cool to see is is a lot of your guys, uh, a lot of the the Rouge Or and uh, you know the post collegiates and stuff there. Talk to me a little bit about those guys, how they're doing and and how they're how they're keeping fit. You know, some of the people to watch there. Yeah, of course, uh, of course, uh, Jean Simon and Thomas are are doing really well. Um, uh, Thomas has a bit, had a bit of a tough summer with injuries. So, you know, like that's, that's the typical story of a talented guy. He barely runs of all summer, puts on a couple pounds of weight and then start training again early in the fall. And there he goes. He runs like 1357 in December. Mm -hmm. I can just, he's just that type of guy. And, uh, you know, whenever he's going to be able to put on, a few months back to back and have some good momentum. There's no doubt he's going to be one, one of the most decorated athletes Quebec will ever produce. And I can't say the same from GS. GS has been having a terrific year. He's just, you know, um, putting the weeks together. Um, I don't think he's, he's never been injured so far. He's just like having the solid training blocks back to back and, um, I know that Felix is really easy on them in terms of volume uh, because he kind of experimented, experimented with guys my age back when, we were, back when we were early in university at GS's age. And uh, the volume, you could say, probably crushed it 
some of us and uh like in in the short term made us really fast but then longer term some of the guys that had trouble really going after college and they felt kind of burned out so i know felix has, has had a more easy approach on these guys in terms of volume but they've been you know like putting works week after week after week and i think gs is just a race away from a breakout um i know that he isn't really happy with his 1354 in uh, california unfortunately and like knowing what he's done in training i know he expected a bit more but um he's definitely on the verge of having a breakout either in the 5k or in the steeple and it's exciting to watch because he's one of these kids that not only he's incredibly talented and you can like you can meet people on the street that are talented like we do not lack talent in canada but he really has a head on the shoulders and he's really level-headed and very intelligent with his training and with what he does also highly motivated and you know like i only have good words for him and i really think he's uh he's going to be a force to rake on in, in the next few years all right well you know like going into 2021 there you know nothing is for sure no no plans are really solid it, it kind of seems like like racing's fairly sporadic at this point but uh what what are the plans for you you know working into those first couple months of uh of 2021 like where uh what what's the training going to be you know is there any races on the horizon what what are things looking like Okay, so not only am I going to knock on wood, but I'm also, I think I'm going to hug a tree because I really <laughs> need to, like, every time I have to have plans and laid out my plans in advance, I had to scratch them because of injuries. So, like, after this, this interview, I'm going to go hug a tree. <laughs> but I do have a lot of plans uh, lined up. And uh, actually, I've got into uh, the Karlsruhe uh, World Indoor Tour in mm. Germany for 3K. So that's late in January. Then I've got into a 1500 in Dortmund uh, early in February, so that's also in Germany. And then I'm going to spend most of February at uh, the Institute of Sport in France, where uh, Jimmy Gressier trains. So he's a high-caliber French guy. I think he ran like he ran like 13, 15, and he won three times the, Euro- the European Championships uh, in cross country uh, under 23. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to train with him in February, and then we're going to do an outdoor 5K in South of France. In, uh, uh, so that would be February 26th. So I've actually got a pretty busy schedule going, and uh, you know, hopefully with the result of the, 10, of the 5K in December I just did, the 3K in Karlsruhe in in the Germany in January, and then the outdoor 5K and, uh, in south of France at the end of February. Hopefully with these three performances, we're hoping it would be enough to put me in the top 45 and in position to qualify at the Olympics in the 5K. And if that happens, then I can really just focus in the spring in the 1500. So that's, uh, that's uh, really what's... Uh, and the plans are in the calendar right now. And like I said, I'm going to go hug a tree, make sure I don't jinx myself, but uh, I'm really look, looking forward to the uh, next few months. 
All right. Well, we'll we'll get all of our listeners to to collectively knock on wood right now as well too. But man, just just watching how everything's gone down uh, this fall with these past couple of races as well too. I'm I'm super excited. I'm super stoked to see uh, see what you can turn out, man. And uh, huge thanks for being on. It's always good to catch up with you, man. And thanks for being on the show. Always good to catch up anytime. And uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling, giving me a call, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next chat. Hopefully, things go well. Huge thanks to CPT for being on this week's show. And hey, if you like this, be sure to tell a teammate or two, and follow us on all the major podcatchers, YouTube and Tracky. Trust me, it helps us out a whole bunch. My name is Michael Rokas. This has been the Terminal Mile, and remember, support your local Twilight. <laughs> <laughs>